Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. It's nice to see all your shining faces today, all your worshiping, squint-eyed faces. They look so good. <laughs> it looks really good from up here. Thank you. Well, here we are in service again. It's good to see you guys. It really is. It's really good to see you. You know, first time I got up here, I was like, I was not going to make eye contact with no one. I was looking all over your faces like this. But I'm really working on making eye contact. Hello, Laura. How are you doing? It's good. Great. I'm glad we can connect this way. <laughs> this is more for me than it is for you. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to stand here and look at y'all for just a second before Chris takes the mic. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. I, I have something rolling in my head that I'm trying to process. And sometimes I get these ideas and their um, thoughts, but I don't have words for them. And that's just the hardest part, because how am I going to tell you my thought? If I could just plug you in and, and put this thought out there. Um, la last Sunday, we talked about um, what is church going to look like for us as a body, for this new era that we're stepping into, this new thing. Because you hear so many people, whether it's the news media or just other ministers talking about how we're not going to go back to the same old, same old. And that's very true. That's true, right? We're stepping on the door of truth. But now what does that look like? What does that feel like? How do we step into that? There's no manual for that. There's no manual for the new era. Sometimes, unfortunately, but that's just the truth. <laughs> so what am I trying to say? I just want to encourage you guys to step into who you are your thoughts, your feelings, and pursue them. Pursue them without listening to the voices in your head that say, no, don't do that. No, that's not in the box. No, that's not one of the rules. Find out what it is. Find out who you are and what your dream is and walk it out. Walk it out and put yourself in a family like ours <laughs> that when you fall, we're going to just dust you off and we're going to pick you back up, and you're either going to make the same mistake again or not. <laughs> and it's going to be okay. Come on. It's going to be okay. I have all of these old religious upbringings that say, Raquel, shut up. Don't say that because what is that going to look like in here? It's going to be chaos. It's going to be all those things because we're not walking by the rules. We're not walking by those old rules. So what's that going to look like? Dang it, I don't know. <laughs> Can you say dang it up here? I don't know. Because <laughs> I've said dang it three times. Apparently so. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm saying this because this is my own struggle. What I'm telling you is my own struggle to find that path that's not there. <laughs> To find that path with no um, paved road, with no railing, with no arrows that say, go this way, go this way. Yes, this is it. Yes, this is it. Because in my mind is all the stuff that says, no, don't do that. Don't follow that dream. That goes against everything. 
And I want this for us, not just for me. I want this for us as a body. What does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But we're going to find out together. That's what's rolling around in here. And I just want to say thank you guys for allowing me just this person. Chris has got everything down. I don't know if y'all knew that. He's perfect. That's why we say his name a lot, because he's perfect. But when we leave, Chris goes home and tells me all the things I've done wrong, and I don't want to listen to them. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He totally, totally tells me I'm doing a great job. Seriously. Shh, I'm talking. Chris, I have the mic. <laughs> but thank you guys for allowing me to find myself up here to find my voice, <sighs> because I want that for you. I want that for everyone, to find your voice, to find what your calling is, to find your dream. And it's not just about a calling or a mission. It's about the dream that's in your heart, and what does that look like, and how do you touch people to change them for the better, not for the worse, not to bring them down, and not to point out their bads, but to point out their goods. Man, we already know we know if we're overweight, right? Our clothes are going to tell us. We already know if we look bad or if we said something that we shouldn't have. We know all of the, that. Yes, right after <laughs> or, or in, during. <laughs> Sorry to invite you guys into my world, but um, I, just, <laughs> I just want to encourage you with that. I want to see that in you. I want to see you walk your best life. I was driving, and I had my oldest granddaughter with me, and we were talking. I think we were just spending the day together. And, you know, the radio was on. We were singing. And then I was like, well, major opportunity for me right now. So I turned the radio off and started talking to her about our differences in ages and just telling her, live your best life. If you want to skate, if you want to, she's wanting to do a skateboard right now, do it. And skin your knee, skin your elbow, and get back up and do it. Live your best life. Be the best skater you can be. <laughs> she wants to do a lot of things. Yes. Be the best bearded dragon mama you want to be, because she has a bearded dragon. <laughs> okay, that's enough for Cal. I just want to leave you with that. And I'm going to awkwardly pass the mic over to Chris, like I normally do. So now that I've been shushed on YouTube and Zoom, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Um, really, it is, uh, it is awesome. Oh, now I'm getting my instructions. Okay. Yeah. Usually I just say, go see Sarah, um, but uh, it's all right. Um, really, it's really amazing what, is, what has been going on with CORE and where we're headed. Uh, we believe that this is the year where, you know, we've spent these last two years really diving into identity and, and purpose and calling and, and all of that. And we really believe that this is the year where the rubber meets the road. This is the year where we, we put our action into place more than we have. And we're going to begin to see things happen. The pathway is going to open up, not way out in front of us, but as we take those steps that she's talking about. Uh, because we are cutting a path that is unknown. Uh, we're doing something that, you know, hasn't been done before. It's been, 
prophesied over us so much, and, and that's what we've been learning these last two years is how to do that. Um, I think we've been kind of taking this kind of approach where we kind of pull the leaves back a little kind of step, but we got to do the full-on Indiana Jones thing where we just step off. If you haven't seen Indiana Jones and you don't know what I'm talking about, shame on you. We'll just bring shame back into the house for that one moment, for that one awesome 80s movie. Actually, that was the 90s, I think. Anyway, sorry, enough of that. Um, We uh, are really blessed to have some amazing uh, people um, in our lives, not just in Raquel and I's, but also in the life of this church and who CORE is. Uh, we are not a normal church. We, are, we don't look to have a service. Uh, we never want to have a church service. We just want to come have an encounter with the Father and, uh, and then change the world around us. That's what it's about. It has really not a whole lot to do with what's inside these walls as much as what you're doing out there uh, and in bringing, his, bringing the kingdom of the Father to the world around you. Um, and in, in that, uh, in this journey that we've been on, uh, we have met some amazing people, and uh, the Pharisees are here today, uh, not just because they're great people, but because they're great family. Um, I don't, um, uh, this is a family that I trust completely. Um, you know, Raquel and I have been down some dark roads when it comes to relationships, uh, especially with church leaders and things. We've been um, burned and taken advantage of in the worst possible way you can imagine. It was, it was very hard to trust people again. Um, but, uh, uh, my friend Craig, you make it very easy, man. Uh, I know that this guy loves us very much. He loves this church, uh, his family, man, those kids are amazing, right? They're not perfect. So don't go put them in a glass jar or none of that stuff. Don't be like that. Uh, they're amazing. And Shannon is like the backbone. Craig gives her so much credit. Uh, they have really defined family in a way that none of us really, ever dreamed of, and I wish so much that I had met y'all 20 years ago, um, but, uh, you know, the one thing about him, uh, Craig is, um, is, is highly prophetic, but we don't really want to celebrate him for just that, right? Does that make sense? If you talk to him, he doesn't like that at all, so, like, don't, don't go and say, hey, can you give me a word? Don't, don't do that. Um, the cool thing about Craig is um, he's, he loves just being a son and a friend of God. And so I have no idea what he's about to share with us, uh, but this whole family's amazing, and Craig's going to come spend some time with us and, and just share his heart, tell us what you got, my friend. And uh, I will tell you, I don't, I don't know if we're going to have any prophetic ministry today, but have your phone ready just in case uh, and record all that good stuff. Um, and uh, are you ready to maybe have your ears blown away? Yeah? Uh-oh, here we go. I set the bar. <laughs> Come on, brother. Yeah, man. Oh, let me help you. There you go. Here you go, man. I love you, man. You made me cry. <laughs> it's all right. Safe place. <laughs> Dang it. I got to live up to that. <laughs> That's how this is going to go this morning. Okay. Yeah, I think it's okay. I took her lead on this. If not, dang it. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, you know what? I, one of the things, well, first, since we're saying we're not supposed to be, uh, we're, we're not going to look at the blemishes. Babe, I'm sorry for the ride over. I didn't mean to yell at you. 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she yelled at me. Um, <laughs> yeah, she she totally gets a pass if she ever yells at anything. Uh, so, in case you don't know, which I'd be surprised if you don't, but I'll I'll say it just because I'm supposed to say it every time. I think it's required. Uh, I have 12 kids, and they're all mine, and that's all of them over there. Uh, I'm, I'm not supposed to say their names, because uh, they prefer not to be known. Uh, <laughs> Tamara, it's okay. It's all right. I didn't tell anybody that you were here. <clears throat> Everybody probably, if you follow us on Facebook or anything, you know Maverick. Um, so uh, we're just going to pray that he stays in his seat and doesn't decide to run the service. That'll be great. Thanks, bud. Uh, everyone else in between will be sneaking between those two, so we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of them. Uh, <laughs> those two usually keep us busy. Tamara telling me what I'm supposed to be doing, and Maverick, me telling him not to do whatever he's doing. Uh, so uh, if, if you guys don't already, then I'll just tell you now, if you want to hear more about all of our 12 kids and family stuff and what we do with Jesus, then you can find us on Facebook. It's uh, Legacy Dreamers. Um, it's an interesting thing to be people that chase a legacy that's not about um, those 12 being my legacy. Um, one, of our, one of our hopes is that we can help people redefine what they look for when they try to create a legacy. Um, I'm not looking for a legacy that at some point when I'm gone, people know what I did or that someone else carries what I, I had. Um, but I understand that who I am created to be, married to the message that Jesus gave me, is my legacy. So it doesn't have anything to do with how people remember me as long as they remember him and the message that he gave me to distribute. Um, so that's what's really important. So as Shannon and I have fought to define and create language around legacy dreamers, that's part of it. Um, so this morning while we were worshiping, uh, I was kind of like Raquel. My thoughts were going all over. Anytime I'm with friends, I get a little nostalgic. Uh, and so I was having all kinds of different thoughts and uh, stories pop in my head. So I thought I'd tell you guys one just to get a glimpse of, of well, it doesn't matter. If you don't like it, that's okay. Um, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So what's that? I'm trying. I'm trying. I got boots on. So, you know, look out. Yeehaw. Come on. Here it goes. So. I love Texas, though. There is something about Texas. We're, yeah, oh, thank you. I love Texas. So when Shannon and I were dating, uh, I was a janitor at our, our church at the Mission in Vacaville, California. And I don't, I don't remember exactly how old I was at the time, uh, probably 18, 19. In, in my city, I was known. When I graduated in 92, uh, that dates me, so if anybody was wondering how old I am, and the 12 kids carry the one divided by two. <clears throat> so I graduated in 92. My mom bought me a brand new 1992 Camaro. It was an RS. Uh, oh, man, this was, uh, it was. So it didn't take long. 
for the bald-headed knucklehead to get known around town. Vacaville was not a big city. Uh, it's a, back then, it was probably about 70,000 people in the, in the town. So it didn't take long for the cops to figure out who this knucklehead was going you know, all over the city. Well, Shannon would come, to, come with me to work from time to time. So I, uh, Thursday nights back then, I don't know if you guys know, there was a show called ER. It was a hugely popular show. We loved the show. And I was working the late shift. So I was supposed to get off at 10. ER starts at 10. <clears throat> so I had to get all my work done early. I was going to lose a few minutes on, on the clock, but that's okay. We could get home. And she's like, look, you're going to make me late. I'm like, listen, just come to work with me. It'll be okay. I'll get you home in time for the start. Not a problem. From the, from the church to where I lived at a regular speed, it was about... <laughs> 10 minutes. It's about 10 minutes from where we lived. I could make it. You, I could do it in three. <laughs> so we hurry up. I'm running through. I get all my stuff done. I clock out. We get in the car, and it's like five till. And I'm like, sweet. We got this. I jump on the road. I'm doing 100. It's a 40, and I'm doing 100. Turn. I'm headed down Elmira Road, and I'm doing probably close to 90 on this one because there's more people around. And I'm, all of a sudden, whoop, 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 whoop. No, no. And I said, babe, I'm sorry. We're not going to make it. <laughs> Officer walks up to the window. Son, what are you doing? I said, uh, I'm sorry, sir. You, you don't want to know. And I've got my license out. I know. I know what's coming. And he said, no, what, why in the world are you in such a hurry? You, you really don't want to know, sir. And he said, yeah, yeah, I think I need to know. I said, well, sir, I, I promised my girlfriend we'd be home in time to, to watch ER. He said, son, you're going to end up in the ER. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand. He goes back to the car, comes back 30 seconds later, uh, promise me you'll never do that again. No, sir, I won't do that again. Okay, I don't want to make you any, any later than you already are. Got home, just as the credits were ending. Boom! I saw the whole episode. Hey, babe, told you we'd make it. <laughs> That's the prophetic at work. <clears throat> oh. But sometimes when, when I'm with friends, I begin to remember these stories. And those are the kinds of things that when I'm with people, I want to tell them about. I want them to get glimpses of places I've been, things I've done, so that they get a picture of who I am. The last few years, probably five to seven years, uh, maybe longer, the, the church has been on this journey of asking, who am I? And we've been trying to fight for uh, what's our identity. And we've even helped people write things like identity statements. And we've gone back through Scripture and looked for what, is, what has God said about who I am and what I can operate from as who I am in his kingdom. And so he makes it real simple. Like it just starts Romans 8 and he says, hey, spirit of adoption, hey, your sons and daughters. Makes it real simple. We make it difficult. We're like, well, what does that mean, and how do I do that? Look, I'm somebody's son. Like right now, uh, 
my parents, who, who both are in heaven now, uh, Jack and Teresa, they're my parents. I'm their son, period. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what choices I make. Doesn't matter what else happens. Doesn't matter how many kids I have, obviously. <laughs> they're still my parents. Sometimes we make this a very difficult thing of, well, what do I do to be his kid? Nothing. Nothing. I say, hey, thank you. I'm glad you're my dad. So each of my kids get varying amounts of time with me. They're still my kid. Are any of you guys going to opt out today of being my child? Anybody want to? No. Not yet. They'll do it in the van on the way home after I said that. So one of the things that as we've discovered who we are, and Shannon and I, this was something that we learned really early on about what it is to be sons and daughters, what it is to operate as queens and kings, how to navigate as priests. These are things that through Scripture it says these, this is who you are. These are things you do. So it led me to ask the question, well, then, if I'm your son, and that's who I am, what am I to everyone else? And so I want to I address a word that Chris brought up, which is encounter. So when somebody asks me what I am, I have to go to the fact that I am an encounter. So like us coming here today, it does you no good just to get my cool story about you're going to end up in the ER. <laughs> good chuckle, maybe a good repeat story, because uh, that cop was quick. That was hilarious. But at the end of the day, if I become an encounter, then you've seen something of him that you would have seen nowhere else. You see, the last 20-plus years, we've been fighting for a reestablishing of the prophetic. So that when you have an encounter with somebody, a lot of times what's happening is you're having an encounter with his voice. If you saw a lot of what took place in the late 90s, early 2000s with renewal, you had an encounter with power. You had an encounter with things that were unexplainable. And let's, let's talk about that for a minute. You know, let me back up. Let me, let me tell you. Um, if you look up the word encounter, it's an interesting definition, um, and I, I'm going to start with, there, there's two ways to look at the word encounter. Uh, there's, a, there's a definition as a verb which says to come upon face-to-face. So it's actually an action. You come into face-to-face. To come upon or experience especially unexpectedly, or to meet especially by chance. Surprise. As a noun, one of the definitions is a coming into the vicinity of a celestial body. Coming into the vicinity of a celestial body. I like that. I like that a lot. Like, uh, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Encounter. What, it, what an incredible thing to think about. The last time I was here, we talked about wisdom. 
if you remember, one of the things that we were talking about is that wisdom stands in the street and is looking for us to come to her. So often we're surprised by wisdom because we're not looking, and it's a surprise. Now we're face to face. Does that make sense? Most of the time, because we're not looking for wisdom herself, we're not engaged with looking for wisdom, we actually run into someone who has to be wisdom for us. Often we don't hear wisdom because we expect someone else to be wisdom for us. So we talked about all the different ways we could engage with wisdom the last time I was here. One of the things I want to ask you is, if we're going to be a people of encounter, can we encounter Scripture? Is there a way, if, if we're looking at Scripture itself, it tells us, um, Hebrews says that the Word of God is alive, active, and sharper than a two-edged sword. So if it's alive and active then how do I encounter it? How do I actually grasp it into a face-to-face? One of the things is, uh, when we grab this, most of the time what we're looking for is information. The majority of the time when we read Scripture, we're reading out of discipline or have-tos. That's not bad. Yeah, guilt, oh man. Uh, exactly. So we're, we're looking to pull something out specifically. What we forget is that so often it's actually looking for us. If you look in John chapter 1, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Huh. So you mean I really can't encounter the Word? I'm not just reading something for information. I'm being invited to a face-to-face with the one who is. So when I'm with friends, I, I get nostalgic. So often what we should be doing is when we read the Word, we should get nostalgic. We should be looking to go face-to-face for Him to tell us stories to remind us that we're not the first one to come face to face. But let me tell you about the time I met with Moses. Let me explain to you what it was like to have an encounter with Joseph in his dreams. By the way, if you turn here, you'll find it. All of a sudden, it is alive and it is active. And it begins to separate what I've been told from what is truth. That's how it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It separates us from the opinions that we've heard about it so that we don't worry about, dang it. (laughs) We don't worry about the rules that men and women have made. We appreciate them. We value them for their effort. We honor them for their heart. But we do not have to obey the rules that were not written. right? You're to have an encounter with him. I, my, my job here isn't to keep people in line. Yeah. Put it this way, 
if you know anything about sheep, uh, as you can tell, I totally rancher. No, I have no clue. I had to read it. I had to look it up. <clears throat> I did research. Uh, but if you, if you watch what shepherds do, shepherds don't lead from the front. Shepherds train sheep where they're supposed to go so that they lead from behind. When they lead from behind, they can see everyone so no one gets lost. Men and women have attempted to lead from the front because no one else wanted to move. When people begin to decide they wanted to move, no one knew how to do it anymore. So we had to put in rules and regulations because everybody had to keep in the same barriers and same boundaries because otherwise we had the dang it. (laughs) 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 That's what we got because what we had was an unruly sheep. We didn't have somebody actually trying to move forward. They just didn't like the barriers. So what you've seen... The last 15 years, our leaders like Chris and Raquel go, I don't care if I'm in front. This isn't why I come here. I come here so you guys can go there. They're going, hey, we'll watch from the back. So that you guys have an encounter, and then you go out and be an encounter. So a long time ago... uh, There was a a guest speaker at our church, and he was doing a conference, and he was doing mornings and afternoons and evenings. It was awesome. And it was like six days in a row. It was, dude, we don't do those things anymore. But I I actually, I miss those days, but they probably would not be good for people anymore. Me, they were good for. I can do that. I have the stamina for it. I have the, woo, let's keep, keep it going. Anyway. I had to work one of the mornings, and it's at the church. I mean, I work at the church. I'm a janitor. No, I'm half working. I'm there. So I I didn't go. I I peeked in the meeting as often as I could just to try to catch some stuff. Well, I went and did my stuff, and I came back, and I knew it should be getting close to ending, and he had them lined up, and he was going to pray for them. And I was like, oh, I'm not missing this. So I'm sneaking in, and I'm kind of hanging out at the back, and, you know, everybody's face in the front, so with me back there, none of my bosses are going to see me. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm watching where he's moving, and he starts to go that way, and I'm like, sweet. I'll go to the end of the line so everybody will be laid out. <laughs> By the time he's done praying for everybody, they'll be on the floor, and I'll be the last one. So I sneak all the way to the end. That guy goes start walking, froze turned around and came back like he was on a mission. And I went, oh, no, everybody's going to see this. And so I just said, God, whatever it is, I want it all. And I just closed my eyes and went, if I got to work over off the clock, I'll work over off the clock. It's fine. God, I'll pay whatever price it is, but just light me up. So he comes down, and I'll tell you what, he got next to me, and I thought for sure he punched me. I doubled over, and I thought, that's punishment. That's what I get. I, I tried to sneak in, and that guy just gut shot me. <clears throat> I could barely breathe, and I'm just like, God, this is rough. What are we going to do here? 
And I can hear him praying, but all of a sudden he starts feeling like he's going way far away. And then all of a sudden I feel like I'm starting to come off the ground. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 he's going to throw me. He's going to chuck me. I am in trouble. This is going to hurt. And all of a sudden I step back and I was like, oh, no, no, we're moving. And he starts shoving me. And I start backpedaling. Now, I got into a full sprint backpedal. I was moving. And I was like, I can't believe he's keeping up with me. Oh, Lord. And all of a sudden, and I went about the length of half a basketball court. That's how big the room was. And I went up into the air and into these rows of chairs. And I didn't find out until later, I took out three catchers. And I was... I was like laid out all over chairs, and there were chairs on top of me. It was crazy. And I was like, that guy chucked me. And I just laid there, and I began to hear what God was saying to me. When I got up, I asked them, why in the world did that guy chuck me? And they said, he never touched you. I'd had an encounter. I had got gut shot by God. And thought a man was pushing me, and he never laid his hands on me. I had backpedaled full sprint. And when I went into the air and took out the other guys, they were laid out longer than I was. And I was down from what they can guess was about an hour. And the other guys were still down for about 45 minutes after I got up. I had an encounter. The thing that makes it an encounter isn't the fact that I got gut shot. It's not the fact that it was pretty impressive that I backpedaled not looking with my eyes closed uh, or that I got lifted off the ground and thrown through chairs, which is pretty impressive. I'm not, you know, the easiest guy to chuck through the air. Making God get his workout in for the day. (laughs) What was different was that I wasn't the same guy that got back up. I have been face to face. When I got back up, there were pieces of fear and anger that I had no way to get free from. I had been to people that have lay hands on me to talk with, to do the, the sozos, and, and it hadn't worked. But when I got up, it wasn't there anymore. Couldn't explain it, except that I knew what he had said to me, and I knew what had just happened. That's an encounter. Uh, yesterday I was on, on a Zoom call with some good friends of mine. Uh, and I started prophesying. And I started telling them, hey, listen. I said, if it's okay, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little, a little different. And I'm going to say some things and hopefully this is okay. And they're like, okay. And I said, well, I see angels. I said, and they're in your room. I see them right there. And as I started to say it, I said, there's kids, there's, there's kids' rooms that the angels are now being stationed in. And I said, they're beginning to move. Right. I said, even as I'm talking, they're starting to move throughout your house and moving on the mission they're assigned for. And as I'm talking, a feather drops right in front of the screen in their house, not in mine, in theirs. And she's yelling, do you see that? I'm like... I see that. She goes, that's a feather. I was like, that's a feather. We used to see that kind of thing pretty regularly where someone would come in and they'd need prayer and we'd be praying for them and all of a sudden he'd be like, 
you'd look and there's a gold tooth. The guy didn't come in with a gold tooth. And I know he didn't because I know him. All of a sudden, he's got gold teeth. I've seen people brought in on a stretcher, laid down on the side of the room, and somebody walk over, and by the time they're done praying for him, he got up and walked out. I'm like, what happened? Somebody determined that they understood what it was to be an encounter, and they knew they were that encounter. You see, when, when I walk into a room, I know I'm an encounter. I just have to determine what encounter am I. The last couple of years, uh, probably 18 months, it keeps following me about being a father. Now, I'm like, okay, for reals. I got 12 kids. That's easy. Come on. Be for reals. Let's really be prophetic, guys. <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> Really stretching those prophetic muscles on that one. <laughs> and so I, I actually kind of, and I've, I've had those kind of words for a long time, but I've kind of pushed them off. And then I was on a call with somebody who I didn't know in another nation. And then as we're talking, they don't know anything about me other than they heard me talk about something on a podcast with somebody. And they're like, you have such a father's heart. Ding, 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 ding. I'm an encounter with the father. What am I? I'm an encounter. And I can be an encounter to see the father. What happens when I lay hands on the sick and they recover? I'm an encounter with power. So one of the things we want to do is you know, we, we talk a lot about, we, Jesus said, I do what I see my Father doing. One of the things we do is we go, who am I? I'm his son. I'm his daughter. What am I? Well, I'm, in, I'm an encounter. Oh, well, what are you doing so that I become what you're doing in this moment? How do I become that encounter? So even when Chris was saying, uh, I'm prophetic and I'm known for that. Absolutely. I'm known as a mouthpiece. Right? And here's the, here's the beautiful thing about that. The reason I don't like to be known for that is that's my job. It's my assignment. And I, I'm thankful that it works. I'm thankful that there are people that say I'm good at my job. I love that because Jesus, there's no way I can make that stuff up. So it has to be Jesus that made me good at my job. Right? I can, I can be a pretty good encounter. I'm funny. It's okay, kids. I am funny. <laughs> I, I can be fun. I can hang out. And I can be a good guy to know. And I can be a good friend. But when I begin to become what I'm designed to be, I become an encounter that can change a life. Now, how many of you guys are an encounter? How do we transition from hanging out here to be in an encounter to going out there and becoming the encounter? Good question. Oh, I'm not going to answer it. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, we, when I started, I said there's a definition of encounter. 
When you, when you go to the dictionary and you look at it, the first definition as a verb is to meet as an adversary or enemy, to engage in conflict with. The first definition as noun, a meeting between hostile factions or persons. I love that. Ask my wife, that's up my alley. Here's what I believe that application is for us as his kids. We are to hostily engage those things that provide a perspective that's not of him. We are to hostily engage with the perspective that is not correct of my father. Do you know how kingdom people engage hostily? We love well. You talk about the most vicious, crazy, ridiculous attack on anything that says that my dad's not good to love somebody well in the face of them not believing anything. I'm supposed to be an encounter that reminds them they're his kid, that we're related. Boy, that changes everything. You know, uh, I think I've talked about him once when I was here before, but I think it's worth saying again. Uh, my spiritual dad, Bill Holland, uh, when I first encountered, <laughs> when I first encountered Bill, uh, my dad died uh, in, in when I was a senior in high school. And it was probably, I'd say about eight months later, because I had graduated already, um, starting to figure out what to do now that my dad's gone and what do I do with my life. And my, my mom, they had been married uh, just under 25 years. And so my dad was her whole world. He was my whole world. I, we were very discombobulated. Um, and I remember her starting to look. There's got to be some peace somewhere. I've got to be able to find some solace somewhere. And she started going to these Salvation Army meetings. And I was like, oh, what, Mom? She's like, Salvation Army. I was like, what? That's where you get clothes, right? And I was like, why are you going to get clothes? Like, I don't know. She's like, no, 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 no. They have sermons and people preach. I was like, Mom, are you getting crazy? Are you getting weird? Like, because, you know, I was young and not real bright. So I thought, oh, the sign of assemblies of God, that's what we grew up with. We could be in trouble. Mom's getting squirrely. <laughs> Remember? Dang it. That, right here. Dang it. <laughs> so she starts telling me about this guy that lives in our city, uh, Bill, that preached at this thing. She said, you should have seen it. He started telling people things about themselves that they couldn't, he couldn't have known. And I was like, yeah, Mom, stay away from those meetings. She's like, no, 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 there's something about this. So she goes, I, I, I'm going out, I need you to come with me. Now, in those days, in those early days, it, my mom didn't leave a lot. There were, there were days that we went shopping because my, my mom just had suffered severe depression. So she was in bed, so we brought her food, we, you know, whatever we had to do. And so for her to say she wanted to go out meant I needed to go, but there was something inside of me terrified because I knew something wasn't right. And she goes, we're going to go. 
So she takes me, and we pull up in front of a mattress store, and I'm like, nobody needs a bed. Who needs a Matthew's mattress? Like, I don't know what, you know, I didn't even know it existed in the town. Like, I, I didn't even. So we walk in, and as soon as I step inside this place, everything in me started freaking out. Get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. I'm like, what is telling me to get out of here? And I thought, I, I grew up kind of hardcore in the streets. I thought I was in danger. It's my spider sense. Like, I have that. I know when I'm in danger. And I'm looking around the room, and I'm not seeing anything. And then an, an older guy walks out. And, I, I mean, he looks, you know, from a distance. I'm like, he's like a grandpa. He's, I'm not scared of that guy. I can handle that guy. No problem. What, what is going on? And my mom goes, I need you to come with me. This is Bill. And I went, oh, no, 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 no. I remember Salvation Army guy. Get me out of here. And we walk up. And he looks at me and goes, how are you doing, son? And I said, good, good. And he looks at her and goes, oh, you're battling depression. Let's talk about that. And I'm like, uh, uh, I got to go. I got to go. So he starts speaking prophetically over my mom, and I'm looking at him and looking at her and got up, and I walked to the furthest bed away next to the door, and I sat down and went, I got to get out of here. And I was so conflicted because I've never left my mom in danger. That's not in my DNA. But at the same time, I was like, I, I'm in danger. I don't know what I'm in danger of, but this guy scares me. It was a couple of months later, and I'm walking down the stairs of my house, and somebody starts knocking at my door, and I'm like, what is that? So I go over to the door. I open the door. It's Bill. And he's at my front door, and I'm going, this isn't good. And he doesn't recognize me, which how most of you guys probably wouldn't recognize a kid that you met one time at your work. Uh, and I'm looking at him going, yeah, can I help you? And he's like, not sure yet. I'm like, huh? What do you mean? He's like, I'm not sure yet. I'm like, what do you mean you're not sure? He's like, Lord told me to come here, but he didn't say why. I'm like, ah, uh, uh. So now, no joke, I got a bat <laughs> next to my door, and I'm, I'm debating here. Do I need this? Do I not need this? Do, do I just shut the door and run? Like, what do I do? And he goes, son, I'm just not sure. And I wanted to be like, don't you call me son. What do you call me son for? And my mom walks by into the kitchen and he goes, oh, Sister Teresa, you're why I'm here. He comes in, and he does deliverance with my mom for about two hours. She gets totally set free. Everything gets broken. She gets healed in her body. And I'm sitting there going, oh, keep this guy. And so I used to say, Bill's six cans short of a six-pack. <laughs> I thought he was nuts. I was like, keep, this, this isn't normal. Flash forward about a year, and now I'm not normal. <laughs> I've had myself an encounter, and I'm, I'm weird. Huh, babe? We got weird, and we got weird fast. <laughs> so no one's safe from me now. <laughs> Forget a mattress store. <laughs> I dare you walk into Rayleigh's or H-E-B. Come on in! <laughs> This is where I live now. People are there all the time. I don't have to wait for church. I got them walking up to me, and they can't get away. They got to get their groceries. I'll walk the aisle with you. <laughs> Weird. 
I did it wrong in the early days. I was trying hard. Wasn't, wasn't doing real well. Dang it. <laughs> but I was trying. So here we are. All this stuff's happening. I'm saying, God, how do I do this? How am I? Because I'm finding that sometimes people are looking at me going, man, that was amazing. Thank you. And other times people are looking at me going, uh-uh. Uh-uh. And I'm like, God, I, I did the same thing this time that you told me to do last time. I'm confused. I don't know how this works. What do I do and how do I change it? I need someone to teach me. So here we are. It's a Friday night service. Our Friday nights back then went late. It was probably 11 o'clock, uh, and we were getting warmed up. Um, and... So we're, you know, half the people are laid out in the altar area and music's still going and we're rocking and rolling and I'm standing on the back wall and I'm, I'm surveying, I'm looking for my next victim. I mean, the next person I'm going to bless. And I'm like, where are they? Who is it, Jesus? Who you want to get? And in walks Bill. I'm like, oh, I understand this guy now. Now, mind you, Bill doesn't go to our church. It's after 11 o'clock at night, and he's walking in, and now I understand how to hear God, and I'm going, oh, he's on a mission. I got to see this so I know how to do this in the future. He walks in, steps inside of the doors, the double doors, looks, stops, goes bingo, and, wa- and literally points his finger and walks up. I was so caught up in my surveying for my next victim, I hadn't noticed there's an issue happening at the front. He walks in, walks right up to the leader, says, hey, uh, if you don't mind, Lord said, you know, you guys are having some trouble right here. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll tell you how to do this, and then I'll get out of your way. So he tells them how to deal with somebody who's flopping around on the floor, and they're trying to figure out what to do with them. Tells them what to do, uh, and then says, I'll, I'll get out of your way, and then walks away. And so they did what he said, and boom, instant. I'm like, how did that just happen? So I, I'm standing on the back wall, and I watch him, and he walks around the room, and he comes back, and he stands on the wall, and God said, you asked, he's here. I was like, no, 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 it can't be him. And he's like, that's the one. You asked me for somebody to teach you. He's the one. I said, God, he's going to know I said he was six cans short of a six-pack. <laughs> he knows everything. I, I can't do that. He's going to know. He's going to know. He said, did you ask me? I said, I did ask you. He said, are you desperate? I said, God, I'm desperate. He said, ask him. So I walk over, and I stand next to him. And I said, uh, hey, Bill. I know you probably don't remember. He said, sure I do, son. He said, oh, the son thing again. I still hadn't fixed that piece yet. And I said, well, you know, some people have told me that I have a prophetic gift. He said, of course you do. No, he does. He knows everything. I said, is there any way you could teach me? And in a in a humble way that I could never repeat with words, he looked at me and said, son, I don't know if I could teach you anything, but I'll be happy to share with you everything. 
huh? He said, come, come by the, the mattress store anytime you want. I was like, oh, my goodness. And he starts to walk away. That was the encounter. He got to the double doors, and he stops, and he looks at me. He goes, you thought I was crazy, didn't you? <laughs> he said, you're right. I am. And walked out. Bill taught me what it was to be a living encounter. I sat in what I now call the mattress temple for hours on end and watched as a man who worked as a salesman changed life after life after life. I watched as leaders from all over the region came and sat at a mattress store to say, can you tell me what to do? Places that didn't even believe in the prophetic understood that if they came into the mattress temple, that nothing would be the same. He taught me that it was okay to be an encounter. And if you asked, asked me some of what Bill was, he wasn't just a mouthpiece. Bill was the what of unity in the body. He didn't care who, he didn't care when, and he found a way to love through everything. I don't care if they don't believe in gifts. What do you mean you don't care if they don't believe in gifts? It's like, what do I care? God loves them. Like, I, I care. I can't. How, isn't that unequally yoked? He said, is it? And I'm like, no, no, I'm asking you. I'm not answering that. That's a trick. Don't ask me a question with a question. I'm on to you. I've seen what the CIA does. <laughs> But he showed me that there's nobody that's unworthy of our love and our time. So I want to encourage you guys. There's two pieces to encounter. Will I have an encounter? And will I become an encounter? I got to tell you, if God hadn't picked me up and thrown me through some chairs, I would be a worthless encounter. If I hadn't been present to see feathers fall, which may be somewhat of a quandary to many of you, that's okay. But to see something and know that it's my father at work changes the way I see everything. It gave me faith to believe for things I didn't think were possible before. Just a little feather falling out of the air. Who knew? To see somebody's tooth turn gold caused me to think, what am I not understanding when he says exceedingly abundantly above all I could think, ask, or imagine by the power that works in me? Oh, boy. Not what he's going to do, but what I've been empowered to do. How do I begin to imagine beyond providing a shirt for somebody who needs a shirt? Maybe, maybe they need a shirt. But what is it that they truly desire more than a shirt? I can tell you there's been many times where I needed a dollar. Would have been very helpful. But if you asked me what I wanted, I would have given you everything I had to have an encounter with Jesus. So we've got to start becoming encounters that don't give people what they want, but what they need.
we got to change gears. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't still try to meet people at places of their want. I don't have a problem with that. If you're not taken away from my wife and my kids and what I'm assigned to do, absolutely, I'll meet you at the place of your want. But my design is to meet you at the place of your need. That's when you've had an encounter. If I meet you at the place of your want, it's pretty cool. Can be. The prophetic's pretty awesome. And it can work in a way that you go, wow, that was pretty neat. But if we go to the place of your need, it's life changing. When a lady walks into the mattress temple and she's coming to sell flowers, and Bill stands up and says, The young lady's battling depression. Would she like to be free? And I'm going, can you do that? <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, 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 not this daughter. My other daughter battles depression. He said, no, 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 your other daughter battles this. This one's battling depression. To have the confidence and the understanding to know somebody needed to be free. And to watch her get free. Wow. So, the question is, are you hungry for an encounter? See, I've noticed that if I'm not hungry for one, I'm not a very good one. I've got to be hungry for an encounter to become a good one. Everyone you see that had an encounter with Jesus in Scripture, he said, now go tell people. And then he told the people to be quiet, and they still ran and told. When your life is shifted, you have no choice but to become the encounter that you just had. I cannot remain quiet because I was quiet for a long time. I remained in the dang it's for far too long. So to become quiet now would be a disservice to the encounters that I've had. Some of us need to learn that the encounters that we have actually allow us to be quiet. It really does. It allows us to find the place of peace and silence in our mind that if we don't talk, it runs. And an encounter can change that. So, here's the question. Do you want an encounter? Do you really want an encounter? Like, I got to tell you, uh, not encouraging you to do this, but I'll, I'll tell you one of, one of my more incredible encounters. Uh, I actually tackled the speaker at a meeting. I was standing at the back of the room in a youth room. I was a youth leader. Uh, and I'm standing there. I'm standing next to a friend of mine, and I can't stop shaking. I'm vibrating at the very core of my being, and I'm I'm like this. This is different. This is this is different. And I I have this insatiable desire to take from the guy that's speaking whatever it is he has. And I'm like, what is, what does he got? What is it? What does he have that I gotta have? And how do I get it? And I'm standing there, and God said, go get it. And I said, go get what? 
He said, you see me in him. Come get me. And I said, come get you? And he said, come get me. With everything that's in you, come get me. And I said, I don't, I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> that, that was crossing my dang it line. That's, that's crossing. There's some barriers that say, now's not proper. <laughs> this is not okay. And he said, get it. Come get me. And I said, God, I'm going to mop the floor with that guy. I'm going to lay him out. And he said, come get me. And so for some kind of help, I looked to my friend. I said, I think, I think God wants me to tackle the speaker. She said, then what are you standing here for? I said, <laughs> and I took off. And I ran. I mean, I ran. And I'm yelling. Like a wild man who needs to get something. Like a man who is desperate to find freedom. And I put my head down, and he was, he was standing right about here. And it, it actually had three steps. And I got to right about here, and I put my head down, and he didn't flinch. He didn't move. He didn't try to get away from me. And I put my head down, and I hit an invisible wall. And I crumbled. And I mean, I was down. And it hurt. I mean, I, I hurt. I physically hurt. I hit a wall. I, I, playing football, I've, I've been hit a lot. I'd never been hit like that. And I crumbled to the ground, and he stands over me and he said, Oh, you want it. He said, God said, that what you wanted, you get tonight. And then begin to prophesy over my brother who wasn't saved, over my sister who was lost, and begin to promise me that they would come into the kingdom and they would do all the things God had promised. I got rocked. So when I'm asking you, I'm not asking you to tackle me, but what I'm saying is if you want an encounter, an encounter isn't something that I get to just walk up and hand you all the time. Look at Scripture. That lady with the issue of blood snuck up on Jesus and said, if I can, if I can get there. Think about that. Because it talks about how they were pressed against him. Do you know how hard it is for a little lady to get past grown men? A sick woman, frail with sickness, fighting her way through people to say, if I can just get, I'm going to get it. What about the guy on the side of the road? He said, you can't shut me up. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He understood that there was a place where he moved beyond the rules and regulations. She could have been killed before she ever got to Jesus. According to the law, it would have been fine. They could have drug her out and killed her, and he would have just kept moving. She risked everything for an encounter. He, at the same time, once they told him a beggar to be silent, the same could have happened. They could have killed him, and that would have been fine. He moved outside of the barriers. I think sometimes we've grown accustomed to the comfort of the availability of being able to come to a place like this and hear about Jesus. It's common. It's common to run into cool stories. 
or to have one or two encounters outside of here that we can kind of go, that was awesome. And it was. But I got to tell you, it's not enough. How do I know it's not enough? Well, the room's not full. Is this, is, is this room being full a sign of us being something out there? Yeah, actually. Kind of. Tell me what room Jesus was in that wasn't full. I, I'm, I'm not saying that mean to you guys. I'm the one talking. I didn't fill the room. I, I know what I'm saying. But am I hungry enough to have the encounter? to run after and pursue him so that when I'm out there, I become the encounter that I can't go anywhere without him pressing. Can I become such an individual that the encounters that take place at the mattress temple is always full? That people who don't even believe what I believe will come because they know truth is there. Given in love and humility. Hmm. So, what are you willing to do for an encounter? Now, let me, let me preface this. There may be somebody that's got to get loud. Some of you really do. It may require quiet. Some of you may require, and this, is, this would be silly, but I'm telling you, I've watched it happen. I've watched people have to get up from the back row and just walk and sit down on the front row. And that was breaking. <laughs> Can you imagine the fear and intimidation to go from there to here for some people. I've seen sometimes the fear be just to talk to the guy in charge. I've watched people in tears, trembling, just to say hello to the guy in charge because they've been so hurt and so bruised and step into a place of freedom because the leader says, oh, absolutely, I'll be your friend. <laughs> absolutely. So, what I want you to do is I just want you to close your eyes real quick. So, Father, I ask that they would have the revelation of what it is that helps them move into the place of encounter. Whether it be a physical action, an internal action, a discipline, the cry of a hungry heart. Father, I ask that they would see that clearly. Father, I ask that they would see clearly also how they've been in an encounter and not recognized it. Not the lack of being in an encounter, but where they've been in an encounter and just not seen it. And I ask for grace to be upon them to be the encounter they desire to be in the way you've designed them. So I just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's your requirement. If you really want to an encounter, do that. Do that. Whatever you thought, whatever you imagined, do that. And get what you're supposed to get. And then become everything that you've been given permission to become. So, that's where I'm going to leave it. Um, if you want a prophetic word, I don't mind. Get your encounter, and I'll be on the front. So if you got fear and intimidation, we're going to deal with it. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, 
If you want one, absolutely. We'll, we'll see if God has something to say. So. It's good stuff, amen. That's really powerful, Craig. That's really powerful. So become an encounter. Amen. You sense that sweetness in here? Just that that it's just that's what it's all about, man. When you were saying all that, Jesus never had to think about it, right? He just he just was the encounter for what everybody needed. So cool. And Father, I just thank you today. I thank you so much for just this, this atmosphere that's here right now, the, the love that we feel from your heart uh, that's just coming off of our friend here to us. Thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for, for what you're doing. And I really thank you for what you're about to do. Because uh, I, know, I know things are changing in people. Even, even just right now, things are changing. We thank you for it, Father. Just thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so good. You know, if you're in agreement right now that he's that this is good and he's good, can you just begin to tell him? Do you mind just telling him with your own with like Raquel said earlier, there's something about your voice activating things and so Father, I just thank you because you're good. I thank you for your presence and your goodness. Your mercy. It's like we sang earlier, it comes running after us, amen? His goodness and his mercy hunts you down, it runs after you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. You're so good. Thank you, Father, for the courage to step out. For the courage to move and the imagination to grow. And become the encounter. Thank you so much, Father. He's so good. Amen? Amen. He's good. Um, man, I'm really rocked right now, bro. So you messed me up pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, um, it is super important that we honor Craig. Uh, we, you know, the kingdom, it's all about honor. That's the currency of the kingdom, as our good friend Dub Alexander says. And, um, uh, you know, he's got, it's not just him and Shannon that have written books, but some of the girls are writing books. Didn't, who, who just came out with their second book? That's right, second one, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, they, I really highly encourage you, um, man, go, go after what they're sharing uh, check it out on Facebook, and they're on Instagram as well. Um, there's just so much value to the way that he brings things. Uh, and even, like I said, I'm not trying to, it's not, I don't mean this in a funny way. It's not all about Craig, but the, it's the Ferris family with who they are and how they are. I've, I've got one of the most amazing words I've ever had from someone, a prophetic word in my life. Where is she at? She's hiding somewhere. Oh, yeah, she's back there. There she is. She's with the kids. Um, Bethany gave me this amazing word that I still hold on to. Um, and it's just amazing. So we want to honor them. 
And one of the ways we can honor uh, is by giving financially. Uh, and so we didn't talk about our regular giving earlier, um, but um, man, just ask the Lord, you know, what uh, what's a good amount? I don't know. We, we don't, uh, we're kind of changing our, our, looking at our different thoughts on tithe and offering right now. Um, believe in sowing and reaping. I grew up farming. I'm a farmer at heart. I love it. And every time we planted corn, we got corn. We never got oats. We never planted, uh, you know, cucumbers and got zucchini. So I want to sow and I want to plant into their ministry. Amen. Um, the text to give, since the screen's not working, um, it's 84321, and that's a text to give thing. Or you can use a church church center app. There is a guest fund speaker or guest speaker fund tab on there. And if you need any help with that, Sarah's up here. She's she's the wizard genius. Uh, it was her fault we were late today, but that's okay. She's also a genius. Just kidding. Um, can you stand with me real quick and we'll we'll dismiss and you guys can make your way to a great afternoon. Father, I just thank you so much for everything that you have done here already, but I thank you for what's about to happen as we start to step outside of these walls and become the encounter in such a greater way. Thank you for this insight, this understanding that Craig has dropped on us today. This, I thank you for the doors that that's unlocking in our thinking. I thank you for the, um, uh, it's almost like understanding uh, it can be unlocked now to deeper ways of becoming encounter and what that actually looks like. So I thank you for that, Father. I thank you that as we walk out of here that it would just begin to click, that we would hear you and move. And thank you for the courage, Father, to become the encounter. Lord, we love you. We exalt you. We thank you so much uh, for the Ferris family. And we just, man, we just speak double blessing, double honor on them. Thank you that they're in our life and they're such a foundational part of our church. We thank you. We love you. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. amen. Man, God bless you all so much. Uh, have a great weekend, rest of the weekend. Uh, we love you. Get a hug or a fist bump and be safe.